Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on Christian doctrines, uh, teachings that involve the essentials of the faith. And we started on our last episode uh, by going through some uh, doctrines that some of us are familiar with and some uh, are new to some of you all, but that's okay. Uh, we're here striving to learn more about Jesus together. No one Christian knows everything. I don't know everything, and you don't know everything. But collectively, as an ecclesia, uh, as a global church, as a Catholic church, in the uh, definitive term, not in um, a congregational term, uh, the word Catholic means universal. So I mean that in the most biblical sense. Um, as a Catholic church, we must all globally know why we believe what we believe. The reason why uh, the Bible is clear that uh, we have woes among us. We have woes in sheep clothing among us. Uh, the Bible also tells us that the wheat grows with the tear. That means that there are some that are not wheat and they grow alongside of the Christians. And some of these uh, tears or weeds, they have their own philosophies. They have their own ideologies. So as a result, they try to present themselves as authentic Christians, but God has already denounced them as well as their teachings. This is why Jesus himself uh, said that there will be some that come and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal in your name? And Jesus goes on and gives some more examples. But he said, I'm going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, O worker of iniquity. So when it comes to Bible doctrine, it's not negotiable. When it comes to the essentials of the faith, it's not negotiable. These are teachings that we must stand on. These are teachings that we must be willing to die on. Uh, it's not up for debate. God has already settled the matter. So we want to start this episode with the word inspiration, which we uh, referred to on our last episode, but we wanted to continue with the word inspiration. And some of you all have been reading your Bible commentaries, and some of you all have been uh, reading your Bible notes, and uh, some of you all have been reading the Bible itself, and the word inspiration uh, comes forth. And the word inspiration is what we find in Second Timothy 3.16, or the examples of it, where it says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So this is an important doctrine in the sense that uh, it's telling us scriptures should be used for teaching. How many times have you 
turned on the TV and seen a minister say something that was blatantly contradictory to the word of God because they have deviated from the meaning of the text. So all scripture is given by God. God is the author. He used the apostles to write it down. Uh, in the New Testament, Old Testaments, he used the biblical patriarchs as well as uh, some of the prophets to um, compose the Old Testament uh, as well as the scribes. So God inspired men, wrote it down, and it's useful. Now it's, the Bible is telling us in Second Timothy uh, 3.16 how to use God's word. We should use it for teaching. And in today's culture, there's so much teaching that needs to take place. But it's not just regular teaching. It's teaching rooted in the word of God. And the more sound the word is, the more you grow, the more you can get closer to God himself. If the teaching is not sound, then God is not going to accept it whatever it is that we're teaching. Um, more importantly, the people of God are led astray and deceived into thinking that God is accepting their false beliefs and their false practices. And they learned it from their teacher. So then it becomes causal in a sense that the teaching is bad. So then the students adopt bad teachings, thus putting them in a place where God is not going to accept their offering. So this is why sound teaching is so important. That word sound, as I've said before in previous episode, is the Greek word hugeis, H-U-G-I-E-S. And it's, it means healthy. The healthy teaching of God's word. So if sound means healthy, right, then we must do all we can to make sure that people get the sound teaching of God's, uh, God's word and God's uh, emphasis and God's priorities so that people can be healed. Not just physically, but spiritually. There's a lot of broken people inside of our churches. And just giving them what they want to hear is not sufficient. What we should be giving them is what the God wants us to give them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not based on polling, not based on graphs, and not based on what's popular, but when we yield to the unction of the Holy Spirit, he tells us what to share with his people. And long as we stay uh, in rhythm with the Holy Spirit, long as we are obedient to the word of God, as long as we are willing to be hermeneutically appropriate, and by that, by that I mean the term hermeneutics, which means the science and art of biblical interpretation. That's what hermeneutics means, the science and art of biblical interpretation. We don't need an eloquent uh, teacher who is not rooted in sound doctrine. Whoever she may be or whoever he may be, just because someone has the ability to uh, say words and make it sound smooth and make it sound eloquent and make it sound succinct doesn't necessarily mean that what they're saying can be backed up by scripture. 
So when it comes to teaching, it must be healthy. And by healthy, I mean to be able to teach a lesson and uh, to be able through the power of the Holy Spirit to unpack that lesson and be biblically appropriate and be biblically sound without eisegesis. And by eisegesis, we're talking about putting into the scripture what's not there. Christians are called to exegesis. And that word means to pull out of the scripture what's already there. But we must avoid eisegesis, which is putting into the scripture or reading into the scripture what is not there. That's how we get ourselves uh, in, in trouble. So all of this came from the doctrine of inspiration, what we just talked about. So Second Timothy talks about God breathed and gave us the word for the purposes of teaching, because we all need to be taught. As Christians, everybody needs to be taught. doesn't matter how long you've been in a church. Everybody needs to be taught. If there's someone who, uh, who says in, in their heart or in their minds that, um, I've, 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 I've arrived and I don't need to go to a Bible study. I don't need to uh, go to worship service. I don't need to put myself in a position to get extra information about God. Then that person, whoever they may be, is deceiving themselves. We all can learn and we all need to learn. We'll never get to a place where we know everything about God where we know everything about his will. It's a constant journey. It's not a marathon. I mean, it's not a, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. So we have to hang in there. We Every day, I'm learning something new. I've been in Christ over 30 years, and every day, I'm learning something new. God is showing me something new. God is teaching me something new. And that process helps my development in terms of my holiness. Every day, I'm learning something new in Christ. I'm learning something new. Outside of Christ, God is showing me something new. So every day we can learn something. Then the word of God is not just useful for teaching, but it's also useful for rebuking, right? It's also uh, useful for letting people know when they've gone too far to the left or have gone too far to the right. And God is saying this from a loving perspective in 1 Corinthians 13. He says the greatest of these is love. And the reason why he's saying that is because sometimes some of us can be judgmental to the point that we take on the position of God. God never told us to be judgmental. That's why he says, judge, judge ye not, alas, you be judged. And what God is saying is he's not saying that uh, we can't determine if an act is right or wrong. That's not what he's saying. What God is saying is, we should not or should avoid responding people from a judgment seat. When we tell people, oh, he or she will never amount to anything. Only God knows that. That's not your place. If God is in the works, if God is on your heart, if your motive is, is right, if you love someone, then when we rebuke them, most of the time, They'll know that we're coming from a place of love, even if they don't react in a loving way to our 
forecasts or our admonitions, it's okay. It's okay. As long as we're sharing it out of a pure heart, we're sharing it out of love, God knows your true motive. But some things have to be called to the carpet. You can't have uh, someone inside the church teaching false doctrine. They need to be rebuked. You can't have someone in the church um, causing chaos and trying to pull down the pastor by talking behind the pastor's back. If your pastor is not who he needs to be, then you need to find another church. Because if God put that person in place and you're going against the pastor, then you're going against God. Even if that individual is wrong, there is a way to handle conflict in a loving way. So when the Bible talks about uh, teaching and rebuking, we must take it for what it means. We ought to share with others, warn others if they're going too far from a loving perspective. Again, that's the key. Make sure when you're sharing things with others that you're sharing it from a loving perspective. One of the things uh, I used to I, I share with people, uh, especially inside the church, sometimes you'll have someone come into the worship uh, edifice and their clothing or attire may not be what we think it ought to be. Perhaps you believe it's too revealing. Perhaps you think it's too... Uh, it's, it's too wrinkled. Perhaps you think they should not be wearing whatever they, they're wearing. My response has always been to members. Build relationships before you critique. Relationships before criticism. If I just came inside your church and the first thing I hear is you should not be wearing that. I'm probably not going to come back to your church. What I need to do is build relationships with people. And in building relationships, I can say the same thing after we build a relationships. And though that person is more apt to receive what I said rather than the first greeting being criticism. So when we talk about rebuke, it has to come from a good place. It has to come from an honest place. It has to come from a loving place. And if it's coming from a loving place, that's all God requires us, us to do. Because we love you, we're going to share some information with you um, that may help you on your journey. We're not there to condemn. We're there to uh, share God's principles, God's instructions, God's commandments, so that you may live a fruitful and abundant life. Then, uh, not only when we talk about inspiration, God's scripture is not only good for teaching, it's not only good for rebuking, but it's also uh, good for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. So if we're going to build up the church, right, if we're going to edify God's church, it has to be built on righteousness. We have to encourage people to live righteously. We have to encourage people to follow the guidelines of the Bible. Uh, there are so many churches today uh, that have become so relaxed that uh, discipline has been thrown out of the window. 
uh, the things that God is expecting of us, we're not able to fulfill it because we're trying to be, uh, we're trying to make following Jesus so convenient. We hear preachers, preachers and teachers talk about uh, more about social acceptance rather than the burden of the cross. And there is a burden. Uh, the Bible talks about discipline and letting things go, sacrifices. There's not uh, too, ma- uh, too many people that want to preach about that. People don't want to talk about sin anymore. Sin has become a dirty word. But just because we don't talk about it doesn't mean it's, it's going anywhere. We still have to deal with it. Some preachers and teachers don't want to talk about hell. Hell is not going anywhere. Jesus talked about hell. So just because we decide to not talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with it. So we have to encourage people to live righteously. And I believe the more we grow in Jesus, the more we thirst after Jesus, the more we read the Bible, the more we study the Bible, the more uh, desires we have to live the way Jesus wants us to live. Let us not live primarily to uh, please our pastors. Let us not live primarily to uh, please other people in the church. Let us not live primarily to please other people. Our primary reason for living is to follow Christ. And if we follow Christ, that is all that's required. If we follow Christ, then people inside the church would be able to get along with you. If we follow Jesus, then people at home, our relatives, will see the love of Christ in us. If we follow Jesus, then our words won't be as harsh. If we follow Jesus, then we would have more empathy for others. So following Christ uh, will help us in developing righteous virtues. So that's the key. Follow Jesus. So I wanted to spend a lot of time on on this inspiration business because uh, God breathing the word of God to us. It, it, it's, it has a purpose that come with it. God just didn't save us and then, and, and, and then leave us alone to try to figure out what sanctification is all about. No, God saved us. God gave us the word of God. Uh, he gave us his Bible. He gave us uh, his good news from the Bible for a purpose, for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness as according to 2 Timothy 3.16. Then we talked about uh, Bible manuscripts. Uh, we have the Old Testament manuscripts, and then we have the New Testament manuscripts. Old Testament manuscripts consisting of 39 books, and New Testament consists of 27 books. Well, I really don't have time to unpack uh, the manuscripts and the historicity of the manuscripts, but let me say this. The manuscripts we have captures 100% of God's message. And if you want further studies on the manuscripts, you can uh, reach us at srministries.org. Uh, you can send us an email at info at srministries.org, and we can give you more information about the manuscripts. But the reason why I bring up the manuscripts is because we have so many skeptics today that have come up with fine-sounded arguments 
which basically convey the idea that our Bible cannot be trusted. But I can say for, uh, for certain that the Bible can be trusted, um, is archaeologically accurate and is internally uh, accurate. And so uh, if you want some evidence on why outside the Bible, why we can trust the Old and New Testament, please email us and then we can get the information to you. Then we, uh, there's a doctrine called the Trinity. There's a doctrine, doctrine called the Trinity. Uh, many of you um, have heard the term the Trinity. Uh, many of you have uh, sung uh, some of the old hymns about God in three persons, Holy Trinity. And the word Trinity uh, was uh, initially touted in terms of the name, not the doctrine, in terms of the name. It was uh, made popular by uh, Tertullian, uh, Tertullian from uh, North Africa. And Tertullian, uh, he helped to make the name popular. But again, the doctrine has always been there. Uh, one of the skeptics or critics of the Trinity are the uh, Jehovah Witnesses uh, who claim that we as Christians have developed a heretical doctrine. And in their estimation or their view of what we believe, they paint a different picture. They assert that we as Christians believe in three gods and that we got that from paganism. And the reality is we as Christians do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God who's be, who's revealed himself in three persons. All three are distinct, but yet co-equal. Um, and then we don't believe as the modalists uh, believe. Uh, the ancient um, heretical teacher, Sibelius, who embraced modalism. And modalism basically teaches that uh, there's not three distinct persons. They believe that the father became Jesus and then Jesus became the son, which is heresy. That's not what the Bible says. So again, the word Trinity or the doctrine of the Trinity um, basically says that there's one God, but yet three persons. All three are co-equal, yet distinct, and uh, all three have a specific role within themselves and the way they relate to humanity. Uh, the Father has never come down from the throne, but yet the Son has been our intermediary first by coming to uh, be in the midst of humanity. And the Holy Spirit has worked uh, through the Old and New Testament to get the work uh, done of, of our God. So that's just an introduction into the Trinity. And then some say, well, you won't find the word, the word Trinity in the Bible. That's fine. You can call it uh, the three-in-oneness of God. Whatever label you have, the point is, the doctrine is in the Bible. You can use a different title if you want. You don't have to call it the Trinity. Uh, again, you can call it the three and oneness of God or the, or the uh, Godhead teachings. Whatever you call it, it, it doesn't negate the fact that the teachings are still in the Scripture. And for everything that we've shared up to this point, if you need more information, uh, please contact us at info at srministries.org or you can go to our website srministries.org, www.srministries.org. Uh, we'll continue our discussion next week. 
And again, we, we always are thankful for your prayers. Please continue to become, uh, to support us financially if you haven't made that choice. And remember to do for the truth what so many others do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yant. I'm a caring father, mentor, and friend. In my new podcast, Billy and the Goat, I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.